This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. A section from John chapter 13, uh, Jesus in the Upper Room. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to receive your word, to be changed by your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would use it as you've promised to change our lives, to bring us closer to you, and don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the work of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. What has been one of the most influential inventions in the last 500 years. Do you want a hint? Here's a picture. That's one of the most influential inventions last 500 years. Do you know what it is? It's the printing press. The printing press changed the world. And it's actually hard for us to, to exaggerate how much it changed the world. Before this time, literally for thousands of years, every symbol, every letter had to be hand chiseled or handwritten. And that means that all the information, all the wisdom, really all the theology was really guarded by just a few people. But then the printing press came along. And God used people like, like Martin Luther to serve the people by translating the whole Bible into the vernacular, the, the language of the people. And for the first time, people had the Bible in front of them. And then he, he wrote messages and, and sermons and other articles that spread throughout the whole world, literally. And it changed the Christian church. For the first time, people heard and believed in the gospel, in a long, long time, it literally changed the world. It's one of those 
those moments in history that when you're living through it, you, you couldn't imagine how this was going to dramatically change the future of the world. Well, I think we're living through one of those same eras where there's an invention that has literally changed the way that we do things. 500 years ago, it was the, the printing revolution. Today, we are living in the digital revolution. Because of the start of the internet and then smartphones and social media, and you put that all together, it has dramatically changed things in ways that we, we can't even possibly comprehend because we're in the middle of it. We can't even see how much our world has changed. And we could talk about all the different things like how we use maps to get where we're going or how we pay bills, but I want to talk about three ways that the digital revolution has had a powerful effect on our day-to-day lives. How The power, and it's changed this in, in three ways. Number one, how we consume information. Number two, how we communicate. And number three, how do we create content? So number one, how we consume information. You know, in preparation for a sermon like this, I can watch all sorts of other preachers or theologians or professors. I can get information on, on background articles and language and, and all that thing. And I can also see the proper way to install the ceiling fan in my son's bedroom without electrocuting myself, right? We can consume information, learn almost anything. Also, how we communicate. Um, back at seminary, after chapel, we'd always kind of gather in someone's dorm, and we had a group of friends that gathered together, and actually, we're still doing that. Once a month, uh, I gather with a group of, of my classmates, and we always have this time we gather, except one of them is in Washington, the other one's in Michigan, and three of them are scattered throughout Wisconsin. We have this coffee chat that we have every um, once a month on a Tuesday. It's changed the way that we communicate with one another. And number three, it changes the way that we can create content. That now you can create content, video content or podcasts or just writing something to someone or writing a message on, on a blog or on somebody's social media and you're creating content and it's content that could be shared throughout the world in a moment. And yet to quote Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, Right? That this is such a, a massive power that not only has, has this power to, to help and to bless and to communicate and, and learn anything you want to learn, it also has power to destroy because we're sinful people. And so we have this way of, of taking anything that could be used for good and we have a way of distorting it and making it used for selfish means and self-centered means. And so we have to be careful because, yeah, we can consume great content, but we can also consume destructive things. That the, the rise of internet pornography inside and outside the church is astronomical. We can also, um, yeah, connect with people, but there's also a, a huge problem of destroying someone's reputation or cyberbullying, and many people believe that that's one of the reasons in the rise of, se- of teen suicide. And yeah, we can create great things, but sometimes we're so distracted by being absorbed into this technology that we're not creating anything useful at all. And so we have this this power in our pockets 
Something that previous generations could never comprehend. Just like before the printing press, you could never comprehend that somebody could have a Bible in their house, that somebody could write a message that could be mass-produced. Now we can't even comprehend the power that's in our pocket. Well, today we're continuing the sermon series, Influencers. We're talking about all the different ways that we're being influenced, but also all the ways that we can influence others. And so much of that influence has been made possible because of the digital revolution that we're living in. And so here's the question I want to answer today. What are we going to do with the power that we have been given in the digital revolution? What are we going to do with this power? Sometimes I'd rather ignore it and push it aside and wish it never happened, but it's here. We're in the middle of it. And so we have to figure out a way to use it properly. Now you might be surprised that an ancient book, an ancient story from the Bible could actually speak to today's situation, but it does. We're going to go back to John chapter 13 where Jesus is meeting with his disciples for the last time before he's about to die. And so this is kind of his last will and testament. Uh, This is like a, a teacher on her last day of school, right before her retirement, and she wants to teach everything that she could teach. She wants to have the the best lesson, the clearest lesson. This is his last will and testament. Now, when they were gathered, we, we know what was on their minds. We know what was on the disciples' minds, and we know what was on Jesus' mind. Uh, we could go back to Luke chapter 22, where in Luke chapter 22, we hear that the disciples, when Jesus was about to be betrayed and handed over to be crucified, the disciples that night were arguing over which one was the greatest. They were arguing over which one was the most influential, which one was the most important, which one should have the best seat in Christ's kingdom. They were arguing over which one was the greatest. That was what was on their mind. John tells us what was on Jesus' mind. And so we read this. It was just before the Passover festival, so the the time of the, the Passover meal, when they would remember how they were taken out of Egypt by the blood of the lamb. And now Jesus was saying, I'm that blood of the lamb. I'm that lamb. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so as the disciples were arguing over which one was the greatest, thinking about themselves, and Jesus was preparing to be crucified, he was thinking about them. He loved them. He knew he was was about to depart and be with his father, and he wanted to love them till the end. And not only did he know that his time was short, but he also knew that soon he was going to take up his role at the right hand of the Father. And so John tells this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. See, we believe that Jesus is true God, that Jesus is true God, but that he came into this world and also became a true human being. And so Jesus set aside all of his his full use of all of his power and authority. He got tired. He got hungry. He acted like a normal human being, and yet at the same time, he was true God. 
Well, he was in the process of taking up his role again at the right hand of the Father. And so in this moment, Jesus is the most powerful person in the room. And the question is, what do you do when you're the most powerful person in the room? When you're the boss, when you're the CEO, when you're the teacher, when you're the leader, what do you do when you have all the power? What do you do when you're the most powerful person in the room? Well, this is what Jesus did. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, before we get grossed out about this practice, this was a a normal, necessary practice in the Middle East and that ancient world, especially how they would eat together. They kind of lay down around a very low table. And so your, your feet are kind of in each other's face. And so it's just like we wash our hands before a meal, they would wash their feet. But usually you'd have somebody at the door, a servant who would wash someone's feet, who would take up that role. But there was no one there to take up that role. And so Jesus took the role of a servant. Maybe you can think about it this way. Let's say you work for a, a, a big company like Amazon or Northwestern Mutual or something, uh, some big company. And, and the CEO comes up to you and says, you know what, I want to take you and some of the other employees out for a really nice dinner. And you say, oh, that's great. And so you go to this great dinner and you eat with your fellow employees, but the CEO is not there. And after the meal, the CEO finally shows up, except he's wearing an apron, and he starts busting the table and washing the dishes. That's what's going on in this scenario. That's what Jesus is doing. He's taking the role of the servant. Although he's the most powerful person in the room, he's using his power to serve. And he wants his disciples to understand what exactly he's trying to teach them through this illustration. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? Do you get what I'm I'm trying to teach you? I'm not trying to uh, be uh, mysterious. I'm not trying to start a new ritual or a new sacrament. I really want to teach you something through this, this, this moment. Do you understand what I've done for you? He goes on, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than their master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And that ancient culture, they would have rabbis or teachers, and, and a rabbi would have a group of disciples or followers, and they would follow him, not just in a classroom setting like we're used to, but they would follow him wherever he went and just repeat the things that he's doing. And so Jesus is saying, I'm your rabbi. I'm your Lord and master. And so if you see me taking the role of a servant and getting down on my knees and washing people's feet, that's what you're supposed to do. Take the role of a servant. 
And he concluded with these words, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is a teaching that we're not just supposed to hear with our ears, but we're to put in practice. Now, from what we know from early church history, it doesn't seem like the the disciples or those who followed them in the first few centuries actually did much feet washing. They understood that Jesus was not just saying, literally, you need to stand by every door and wash feet. It It was an idea about a whole way of life. That the whole way of life is one not about self-service, not one about how can I make life about me, but we're supposed to resist that selfish nature that we all have, resist our, our, our tendency to be turned inward and to take the role of a servant. And so here's what Jesus was trying to teach them and us. The Savior used his authority to serve. He used his power to serve. He leveraged the almighty power that he had in service to his disciples and to service to others. And again, this wasn't just some isolated incident. This wasn't just some snapshot in time. This was his whole way of life. In fact, this was the story of his life. He, he told his disciples in Mark chapter 10, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. It wasn't just about washing people's feet. It was about delivering his whole life on behalf of us. I don't know about you, but, but every time I see... Uh, somebody who has served in the military, especially when they're being honored at a special event, I, I, I get teared up. I, I, I'm moved by that because I, I can't believe, it's so hard to believe that, that someone that doesn't know me would be willing to serve our country to protect me. They don't even know anything about me, but they're willing to give up their life for me. That's incredible. But Jesus goes even farther. He does know me. And he does know you. And he knows those things that you have tried to hide and cover up. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. And he still gave up his life for us as a ransom to buy us back to God, to pay for our guilt and shame, to make us forgiven children of God, to make us his disciples. And now he says, as my disciples, you do what I've done. Now make your life one of service. I've given you everything. You have everything you need. You're forgiven, loved, accepted. I'm going to take care of you. Now use your life in service to others. But what does this have to do with the digital revolution, right? What does this have to do with how I use my smartphone? I think it has a lot to do with it. When we consider this this incredible, powerful device that is in our pockets, we have to ask ourselves, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to be consumed by it? Or am I going to use it in service to others? In fact, I think that helps us answer our opening question. What are we going to do with the power that we've been given in the digital revolution? Leverage your power in service to others. Leverage your power in service to others. 
Just like 500 years ago when, when Martin Luther, he had this incredible gift of writing and speaking and understanding God's word and languages. And he, he leveraged the power of the printing press in service to God's people. And it, it literally changed the world. And now Jesus, um, he has all the power in the, the world and he leverages that power in service to others. And I think that's what we are to do with the digital revolution. Leverage that power, not in self-service or just to stimulate yourself or please yourself or just for yourself, but in service to others. Because that's what we're supposed to do with our whole life and so it would be no different with this as well. So how can we do that? Well, I think there are at least three ways that, that we could leverage the power that we've been given in service to others. Number one, follow godly and wise influencers. You're going to become the people you follow. And it's incredible that, that we can get information from all over. But what I've noticed, and, and, and people have been looking at this now, you know, in the past, for better or worse, our children would ask their parents first, you know, how do I do this? Or, or, or people would ask their teachers or people would ask. And, and I think they still want to hear from their families, want to hear from their parents. But you would be amazed how so much information is getting directly to people, directly to teens, directly to young people. And they're learning on their own. They're, they're looking at different influencers. They're following different people because all the information is at the end of their fingertips. And so you need to be wise on who you're following, all of us. These people could, could lead you to be more wise and godly and, and selfless and loving or could be selfish and ungodly and lead you astray. And so be wise as to what you're consuming. Be wise as to what you're putting in your, in your head, in your heart. Because what you fill up your head and your heart, that's the kind of person you're going to become. And if you want to serve others, you've got to be careful the kind of person you're going to become. Number two, talked about how things have changed for connections. Well, make real connections. You know, so much that can be on the internet is so, can be so superficial. And, uh, and, and sometimes we've said even destructive. What if you sent a text message to that person you know that's suffering? They've lost that loved one or they're, they're struggling with health issues and you, and you sent them a prayer or you sent them that Bible verse or you sent them that word of encouragement. Sometimes... That's even more helpful than, than anything else. Just a word of encouragement or just I'm praying for you. If you used the technology that you leveraged that power to make real connection, to, make in, to, to, to encourage. And number three, create helpful content. Now maybe you think, well, I'm not a content creator. Well, every time you write a message, every time you post, post something online, Every time you upload a video, you're creating content. And the question is, are you going to create content that's going to serve others? Or is it going to be self-service or about you or selfish? Wash each other's feet. Make something that's going to help somebody. Make something that's going to 
lead someone to a richer understanding of God's love for them, God's forgiveness of them. Encourage one another, create helpful content. Now, there's a quote I read in a number of different places. I couldn't find the original uh, quotation, but it's attributed to Martin Luther. It kind of feels like everything that people like attributes to Martin Luther, but, but I, I think this quote actually attributes to him. Uh, he said, printing is the ultimate gift of God and the greatest one. That sounds like something he would say. The amount of... Uh, the ability for him to be able to share the gospel with that many people and see the world changed, he saw that printing is one of the ultimate gifts of God and the greatest one. And, and I wonder if we could say something similar for some of the gifts that we've been given. Certainly we know all the destructive problems of the digital revolution, but there are so many blessings. I don't know if you know this, but we had missionaries in, in Latin America and because of the drug cartels, many of them, basically all of them, had to leave Mexico and other parts of Latin America. And so uh, the missionaries decided, you know, we still need to reach our people. We still need to support our people. And so they came up with a, a training program called Academia Cristo. And this, this training program uh, started on Facebook to try to get people to connect. And four million people in Latin America started following this page. And then they started taking classes online. And then they started churches because of these online classes. And they started, missionaries started visiting these churches. And God's word continues to spread. Something similar has happened in Asia, where so much of the, the communist regime is kind of kicking um, missionaries out of so much of Asia. And so our only content, the only, contact, the only way we can send in information or connect is through digital means, and yet the church is flourishing in Asia, in Africa, Vietnam. It's, it's exploding. And I, I think as a congregation, we're trying to follow the lead of those, those missionaries. Missionaries have already got this figured out, and, and we're trying to slowly follow behind, and that's why we called Michael Babbler. That's why we have a digital studio, and that's why as a congregation, we want to work together to leverage this incredible power in service to others. It's not going away. We're going to continue to, to pay our bills online and use Google Maps to find where we're supposed to be going and and there's so many tools that we're using and there's so many things that are pure enjoyment and entertainment, that's great. And there's so many things that are actually destroying us, but what if, what if we'd use this incredible power that we've been given in the era that we're living in, what if we use it? And what if we'd leverage it in service to others in Christ's name? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would give us wisdom. Uh, the technology today can be all-consuming. It can be some of our, our biggest struggle, our biggest problem. And so, Lord God, we pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us guidance, that you'd forgive us for all the ways that we've used it wrongly. And then lead us in wisdom to use it for the good of your kingdom, to, in service to others, and all to the glory of your name. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. 
for video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.